Hi, I'm Steve Mahoski, the Facility Specialist for the Nanomaterials and Thin Film Facility. I'm going to tell you about my facility. The outline of my talk is going to be I'm going to give you the focus of the facility, and then I'm going to give you a brief uh, introduction to the equipment and what, it can, what some of it we're going to can do. The main focus of the facility is to, to give researchers and students access to state-of-the-art equipment to produce their samples and devices. But the primary focus of my facility is nanostructuring samples and devices through thin film deposition and multi-layering the thin films together. And what I mean by that is you would say take a half a nanometer of material A and a tenth of a nanometer of material B, and then you put them the layers together and then you stack so it's A, B, A, B, A, B. You perform, you, you devise, you develop a nanostructure device based on the multi-layering technique. It may or may not have the properties you want, but that's, you don't know until you measure them. And our primary techniques for doing that is sputtering and post-laser deposition. Uh, the, our facility also has equipment to prepare samples in bulk. And the reason for that is sometimes you need to have samples in bulk. And we also provide some characterization equipment to characterize some of the sample parameters. The main workhorse of our system is the AJA sputtering system. It's a simple system that has a base pressure of about five times to the minus eight tor. It, we can sputter in an argon environment, oxygen environment, if you want to do, want to try to form oxides when you're de de depositing. Our system has five sputtering guns, so you can, in principle, make uh, a sample of five different materials. We have a we are a load lock system that can hold up to four, a load lock system that can hold up to four inch diameter wafers, and the we, we, the substrate can also be rotated and heated. And we can apply an RF bias across it as well. And down in here shows two examples, two team examples of an iron cobalt platinum based material. These are about you know five nanometers thick, both. And just just shows you how you know when you do a thin film, you get these clustering material tends to cluster together instead of being a continuous film. You get little clusters of islands. You get a continuous film. You usually have to go to a thicker film. The next system we use is the post-laser deposition or post-laser ablation. This system also can go down to a good base pressure and we can deposit in a vacuum or an argon environment or once again an oxygen environment if you want to try to make an oxide. Uh, we have the sample chamber can hold up to six target and a little carousel that can rotate. That lets you make in principle uh, material samples or devices with up to six different materials. We can also do heating and rotation this system has a read system, which stands for the reflective high energy electron diffraction, <clears throat> which allows you to measure your thickness in situ as you're depositing. We also have a load lock that lets you load into two samples simultaneously for high th for fast throughput. Uh, we also have another deposition system called the HEX. It's a really unique design. It allows you to combine three different deposition techniques in the same type of system. And so the HEX has one sputtering gun, a thermal boat evaporator, a mini e-beam evaporator, an organic evaporator, and any of those three techniques can be used in the sample chamber in one run. Uh, down here are the actual devices, sputtering, mini e-beam, thermal evaporator, and organic evaporator. And the, the HEX is designed for very fast throughput in the sense that you load it, you pump it down, in about a half hour, it's in reasonable usable pressure to use, and you, you deposit, and then you're done for the day. For bulk systems, we usually have several systems. One is our arc melter. And this particular arc melter, we use our, use our powders and pellets and stick it into an, a cobalt 
crucible, and then we apply a stinger that applies a voltage between our bottom of the crucible and the stinger, which when we reach breakdown voltage will cause an arc of current. We'll go through and that arc of current will have, be able to flash melt the powders and pellets together to form a, a, form a button in this case. That's really good for melting powder and, and powder melting and creating alloys and producing the metal buttons. They sort of look like this when they're done. When they come out of the system. We also have a melt spinner and this is good for quenching material after we melt it again. So in this particular care, we take our button we had before from our arc melter and we put it into an induction coil. We heat it up to melt the material and then we eject it onto a copper wheel that's spinning, spinning really, really fast. And then we produce these ribbons. And we do this because by injecting it onto the copper wheel, we can control the, the quenching rate by the ejection pressure and the copper wheel speed and the, the distance between the nozzle at the bottom and the copper wheel. And we do that to, to, uh, to control metastatal phases and to, get and to have microstructure control of the grain sizes and so forth. We also have a ball milling system, a planetary ball milling system. They'll let you put in to grind powders into small fine powders, depending on the ball size and the balls you use. You can also take bigger chunks and grind it onto the powders as well. But you can also, in the right, right circumstances, do what's called mechanically annealing, which allows you to put different powders into the, into the bowl and then have them actually fuse together just because of the mechanical pressure of the balls applied across the powders. We, our facility has several furnaces and we have a, a Lindbergh furnace, the 55322, which has a maximum temperature of 1200. We have an MTI furnace that has a maximum temperature of 1750 degrees C, but we get only a te working temperature of 1700 degrees C continuous. We also have in another facility that I manage, the physical properties facility, we have a furnace which combines a high temperature annealing plus a high magnetic field, which would can potentially modify the magnetic properties of the sample as well. For <clears throat> characterization, we have what's called the ASAP 2460 surface or area and porosity analyzer. This allows you to measure the surface, surface area and the porosity of your material. It uses a technique called the BET, which are these three developers did it. It's just a technique that uses a nitrogen absorption. So you evacuate the system out, you apply a known amount of nitrogen into it, and then you measure the pressure that's there and by the by the amount, the fact that you know what how what the pressure should be if nothing was absorbing to what the pressure is, then you know the amount of nitrogen absorbed on the surface, and then you can calculate the surface area based on that. And it's a this system is, is useful for pharmaceuticals and few cells, ceramics, nanotubes, absorbents, painting, coatings, activated carbons, and in food science. And this is sort of a, a a measurement we've done with a standard sample. Down here, you you apply more and more nitrogen pressure in, and you see it absorb. It's a quantity absorbs and get to a saturation point, and then you can deabsorb. You can follow it to follow the deabsorption mass. You evacuate out to see how the nitrogen actually deabsorbs from the surface, and this gives you the information you need. Down here gives you the BET surface area, and the, the shape and curve of the absorption over here tends to give you this the pore size and the pore size distribution. We also have an ellipsometer from J. Wilm Company. Uh, it allows us to measure primarily film thickness, but you can also measure the optical properties of materials. And our, our, this scan here is basically a scan of uh, the psi and del, which you measure in the ellipsometry of our wavelength range of this wavelength range here. We have three different angles of incidence that you can use. I only show one here. 
And it's good up, to, up for materials up to 100 nanometers, depending on the material. If it's transmit, transparent material, you can go to higher. If it's really absorbing material, like it's just a solid metal film, film, metal film you probably want to not use 100 nanometers. Uh, but the data analysis is pretty standard. So we take the data, and then we build a model based on what we think the data is, and then we simulate it. And then we have fitting parameters where we tell it to fit the parameters to match the, the data as best as we can. In the physical properties facility, again, we have a, magnet, a magnetometer, the squid. It can measure magnetic properties. Primarily, we measure hysteresis loops, which is magnetic moment versus temperature. And then we measure magnetic susceptibility, which is magnetic moment versus the field. So we'll measure the magnetic moment versus the, the the field is a history loop here of a sample I made of a iron cobalt cerulean titanium sample, and here's a, a zero field field cold susceptibility measure of this, which doesn't show the Curie temperature, but what if we go to high enough temperature? This shows the coercivity and the saturation magnetization and the remnant ratio. And we can do various other measurements as well. And thank you for listening. If you want to see more, here's the my webpage right here.